We all grew up quoting the Pledge of Allegiance that says, One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That doesn't seem to be even close to the case these days, especially with the justice for all. The good news is that today on a Critical Faith podcast, Pastor Sue Collar from First Presbyterian Church gives us some great insights from Scripture and life on justice and what it actually means and then how we can live that out in our lives. Here now is Pastor Sue Collar. And today's theme is justice. And this, I'll be honest, this was a challenging one to prepare today because there are so many ways you can look at justice and what it means and, and how we should live just lives. So I will give you a heads up right now. There's a lot of stuff that was left on the cutting room floor, which means this is a deep subject. There's a lot of talk about justice today. Justice for George Floyd. Justice for Breonna Taylor. Demands for justice when the cops involved are not prosecuted. Demands for a just justice system. Demands for a just justice system. Such demands are an important part of who we are as Americans. It is rooted in our founding documents. In 1787, the founders of our nation wrote the Constitution of the United States. And in that founding document, the first of five objectives for our nation is to establish justice. Who can argue against gut justice? Even from our faith perspective, who can argue against justice? Remember the prophet Amos called for justice to roll down like a mighty river. And it is literally woven through every word and every, every drop of ink in our scriptures. The problem is, though, that I assume you know what I mean by the word justice. And you probably assume I know what you mean by the word justice. For some, justice is making sure that everyone is treated fairly and equitably in our justice system. Sentences are fair no matter what your economic status, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your crime. But with all of the variables involved, who gets to decide what's fair? For some, justice is making sure that everyone has what they need. But again, we're left with that same question. Who gets to decide what you need? Aristotle said that justice was rendering to everyone their due, whether it be punishment or reward. But again, who gets to decide what is due? In 380 BC, a guy named Thrasymachus answered that question. He said, justice is what serves the interests of those in power. So now we know who gets to decide what's fair, what's equitable, and what is due. Justice is one of those foundational values of our faith. Prophets cry out for it, kingdoms fell for lack of it, and Jesus made it the center point of his ministry. Yet it is one of the most difficult faith values to live out because, truth be told, I think a lot of us have had an incomplete understanding of justice. Many of us grew up in churches that preached that the justice of God was something to be feared. Mess up and God is going to get you. In Jesus' day, people thought illness was punishment for sin. 
And even the language we use to talk about Jesus' death on the cross reinforces this idea that justice somehow demands punishment or payment before we could be made right with God. But justice in the Bible began long before sin ever entered the world. It began in that very first moment of creation when God created all that is and said, this is good. And God created human beings in God's own image and said, this is good. And God looked at the abundance of creation around and gave all of it to human beings that they might have what they need to live and to thrive. God's justice began in that moment. We learn from this that God's justice begins not with punishment, but with plenty, with abundance. Not with retribution, but with more than we possibly could handle of God's goodness. And God's justice begins not with separating one person from another, but in creating us for each other and to help each other. God's justice was what John Dominic Crossan and others call distributive justice. God distributes to all everything we need to live and to thrive. This is our starting place when as people of faith we talk about justice. It's a justice that is rooted in our faith and it is about reclaiming those moments, those early moments of creation. It is about making sure that everyone still receives the abundance of God's gifts so that they may live and they may thrive. If that's justice, the challenge becomes how do we live that out? Author Philip Wogeman says, justice is doing what is required for everyone to belong in community. And I like his definition because it's action-oriented. It invites us to do something. It means actively healing iniquities. It means actively ensuring that God's good gifts are fairly distributed to all. And if you want to know what fair means in this context, this might help. It means seeing that no part of humanity falls through the cracks. Nobody is left behind. Nobody is forgotten. Nobody is overlooked. No one is judged to have lost that image of God and to no longer be a part of God's family. When Jesus stood in the synagogue that day, and read from the prophet Isaiah, he basically said, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to provide release for the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is now the implied part. He didn't say it, but it was there because you have failed to do so. You see, if we had not failed to do all those things, Jesus wouldn't have had to. We have failed to make sure that the least among us have their share of God's abundance. We have failed to recognize the image of God in a stranger. We have failed to do all that we could to welcome and include people in God's holy community. Jesus wasn't just talking to those first century early disciples. He was talking to us as well. Every day people are put in jail and kept there for weeks and months and sometimes years, even though they have not yet been convicted simply because they can't afford to pay the bail. 
And people who can't afford to pay the bail are at a much higher risk for losing their job and for losing their housing. They may later be found innocent and released, but that will never get them back to where they were before all of that started. Right now we're dealing with record unemployment. But even in more normal times, millions of people have to work more than one full-time job just to be able to keep a roof over their head and put food on their table. Meanwhile, the richest CEOs make literally millions of dollars a year. In our own neighborhood at McPhee Elementary School, over 90% of the kids are on reduced or free lunch because their families live either at or below or very near the poverty level. Meanwhile, the top 1% in our country have more wealth than the bottom 80% combined, and that gap is just getting wider and wider. Into that mess, Jesus has the gall to read from the prophet Isaiah and declare the year of Jubilee has come. He says it's time to stop holding people's debts over them. It's time to share what we have hoarded for so long. It is time to recognize we are all one family. We are supposed to be caring for each other and not walking over each other. We are supposed to be including each other and lifting each other up. In Jesus, God looked over the world, saw how messed up we'd become, but instead of responding with retribution, which is a form of justice, God responded with love and with grace and with good news and with healing. In Jesus, God looked at that hated tax collector climbing a tree, traitor to his people, and invited him to a meal and treated him with respect. He told stories about Good Samaritans and said, it doesn't matter who you are. If you see someone in need, stop and help them. And if you have to dig into the riches of your abundance to help that person who may not have enough, then that is your responsibility to do so. He told stories about paying the one who'd worked the least, the same as the one who'd worked the longest. Because we are called to be generous and to do our part to see that everybody has what they need to live and to thrive. We don't know why that person who came in at the last hour to work was late. Maybe they were caring for someone sick at home. He touched society's outcasts. And he didn't just heal illnesses. He brought them back into the fold, back into the community, back into the family. God's response to the sins of the world wasn't, you're in trouble now. It was, go and do likewise. It's very much Wagaman's definition of justice, doing what is required for everyone to belong in the community. Now, here's the challenge with understanding justice as making sure everyone has what they need and is sharing plentifully in God's bounty. The difficulty with that that sometimes rubs us the wrong way is that it doesn't allow us to judge whether someone else has forfeited their place in God's family or forfeited their rights to share in the abundance of God's good gifts. I know it's tempting to judge. We all do it. But that is not our job. And it's a good thing. Because while I may know that the image of God is pretty darn tarnished in you, 
If I'm honest, I know it's really tarnished in me too. God's justice is not primarily about punishment. It's about healing. And it's about restoring us to that wonderful place of relationship and abundance that was there in those first days of creation. Author Aaron Wathan says that the biblical concept of justice asks us to deepen our understanding of human struggle and division. It asks us to seek ways to heal our connections with each other, and it asks for compassion and generosity rather than judgmentalism. So how do we live that kind of justice? Well, first and foremost, it means we have to care about people we don't know. We have to care about people who are different from us. We have to care when it's not convenient. We have to recognize that this is hard because most of us have been groomed to care for others only after we have all our own needs met or maybe better said, our own desires met. We have been groomed by society to view people as disposable. Some people are more worthy of help than others. And we have been groomed by the powerful to believe that the greatest sign of God's blessing is an abundance of material wealth. And if you don't have it, then obviously it is God's choice. So we have to care. We have to recognize this is hard. But we also then have to do something I love the Lord's Prayer. Here's my favorite line in it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because it's not just saying, God, you forgive me everything I owe you. It's saying, I'm going to do the same to that person who owes me. I want to be right with God, but I want to be right with my neighbor. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that prayer itself reminds us we can't just say we care we actually have to do something about it. What better way to teach our children about this biblical value of justice than to let them see us put that justice into action? How about teaching our kids to embrace this biblical concept of jubilee, where we are called to have an active role in restoring relationships, in dismantling oppression, and in reclaiming the original gift of God for all people. So what does that look like to actually do that? Well, how about we treat all people with respect? And wouldn't that be a great way to start? No exceptions, period. Even the person you like the least in this world. Our children learn from us how to treat others. They watch how we treat others, and they model their lives on that. And here's a cool thing about that. If we start to treat people that way, the people we treat that way may have forgotten they were made in the image of God. They may have forgotten their family. They may have forgotten God's desire for them to live full, joyful, thriving lives. How about not closing our eyes to the way our society advantages some and disadvantages others? Let's educate ourselves about the ways we are a part of that system, and then let's get involved and make a difference. Take your kids with you. Teach them early on that they have a power to change this world. How about we share with others what we have when they are in need? Sharing's an interesting thing because it doesn't usually fix the underlying justice issue, but if someone is thirsty, 
Give them some water. Don't say, well, hey, let me dig a well for you, and then you'll have water. Give them some water, and then grab your shovel and go dig that well. Ultimately, living by the biblical value of justice means remembering that God's justice is about restoration and not retribution. So in every encounter, approach it with the desire to heal and to help. If we can do that, we can change the world. You see, this vision of justice is at the heart of our faith. And it looks forward to the day when Isaiah's vision will become a reality, when all people will desire to learn and walk in God's ways, where even weapons of war are transformed into implements of cultivation because everyone will have what they need. We don't need to be taking from others. We don't need to be hoarding. So that's my challenge for you today. And I know it's a challenge, and I know it's hard, and I know it's not always going to be easy. We are followers of Jesus Christ who came to declare a year of jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. And what better way for us to spend our lives than to share in that work of jubilee. Thank you for joining us today for this week's A Critical Faith podcast. To discover more about who we are and what we're about and how you can engage with us in worship and service, join us on Facebook at First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And please share these podcasts with your friends. 